Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor at large at The Block. We have a very exciting episode of the show for you today. We have Loomdar back with us. But before we dive into that and more, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. This show is sponsored in part by CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. With CleanSpark, you can feel good about investing in the Bitcoin ecosystem because CleanSpark uses low-carbon energy for their Bitcoin mining data centers and is always optimizing their operations to increase energy efficiency and reduce e-waste, all while partnering with the communities they operate in. If you want to support the future of Bitcoin while also supporting the environment, visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more about the CleanSpark way. Sir, how's it been? How are you feeling? Not too bad, not too bad. I'm currently on day five of a one-week water fast, so if I start just gurbling, please do ignore me. Yeah, you definitely look like you're getting a bit more svelte. I mean, you know, you can't order free deliveries a day for a year and then be like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be eating as much food. So we've been taking our health <laughs> a lot more seriously the recent last few months. Yeah, it's been tough for everyone in the market with FTX, which is still making headlines and something that we're going to talk about today is the potential reboot. So ah, yes. let's talk about the reboot, why you think it should happen, and how do you think it should happen? Obviously, there are headlines that potential VC interests might be keen to scoop up that asset and reconfigure it and then relaunch it. How does that help creditors? So it's interesting you call it an asset because I kind of view it a bit differently where, mm -hmm. I mean, there's like a few big misinterpretations that I want to like answer. Mm -hmm. The first of which is like, guys, Sam's going to jail. He's not going to be the CEO of FTX 2.0. That's like the first <laughs> big one. But secondly is like, FTX made money. Crypto exchanges make a lot of money. There's like nothing mm -hmm. that inherently made FTX itself bad. It was just the funds of FTX users were being funneled into like a market-making firm that apparently just, you know, lost a lot of money. And so like, there was nothing inherently wrong with FTX itself. And I'm talking about this idea of like a crypto exchange in general. Of the business model. Of the, the business, business model. model. Yeah, itself. exactly. And, you know, the people that are in the FTX estate as like creditors are users of the product, users of the platform. These are people that like use the exchange Mm -hmm. And so my thinking is that like people need to stop thinking of this as like, hey, we're going to just basically reboot FTX as it was. Because obviously, you know, there's a lot of confusion and worries about the way FTX did like liquidations, cross-collateralization. Well, yeah, I mean, and even on the accounting and finance side, right, like the thing was kind of duct taped together. Yeah, I mean, incredible. I mean, they were using QuickBooks. But like fundamentally ignoring all of that and going at this on like the most fundamental level is right now you have over a million people who have been really badly impacted by this like you know this giga fraud this like scam but these are people that were using this product to like you know trade assets trade cryptos mm -hmm. and i think there's this ability to effectively restart ftx in terms of like you know just making the new crypto exchange and 
I'm not a lawyer, so I can't go into specifics of how it would look like. But effectively, somehow, either for a debt token or a debt to equity conversion or like a kind of Bitfinex style RRT. But effectively, giving the people that were creditors of FTX a chunk or like a way to make themselves whole or even more than whole by like owning a piece of this exchange can be incredibly powerful because fundamentally, like, exchanges are communities, you know, they're people, they're traders, Mm -hmm. and the best exchanges are the ones with the biggest communities. And you have this ability to have over a million people, not just in your community, but with a literal vested interest in making sure this exchange works, this exchange has liquidity, people are trading on it, because, you know, they have a financial stake in it. And it's even better knowing that, like, some of the biggest creditors for FTX are, like, market makers, the guys that provide liquidity, if you go to a market maker and say, hey, we know you lost 200 million FTX, here's a way for you to make that money back by like having a piece of a crypto exchange. Obviously, they're going to work their asses off on making sure that that thing prints money. And so I think people get like FTX and obviously kind of FTX, quote unquote, which is just Sam mixed up. And I think it's like, I really want to help change that misconception and also show like creditors, people that lost money in FTX, like, look, guys, even though in November there was the whole kerfuffle, it was like, hey, you know, these claims are worthless, but claims have been going up very steadily since then. It mm-hmm. went from like five cents to low 30 cents for like big ones. And it's showing people that like there is a way here to make people even more than whole if like FTX 2.0 works properly. Lumdark, do you have a good sense of how we got to this point? I remember, and I'm sure you do as well, rewind the clock three, four months ago. It seemed like it was going to be five cents on the dollar, 10 cents on the dollar. Now we're at 70 or 80. I'm sure a lot of this is well documented from Mr. John Ray III. But where did we find this cash under the cushions? Do you have a sense of where that came from? I was pretty angry at the FTX lawyers for a while because they were kind of spending more time showing how much crime Sam committed with like these weird kind of presentations rather than being like, hey guys, look, this is all the stuff we're doing for you guys to get your money back. But Mm -hmm. like, I think that was kind of to set the stage and really show why stuff was being done. But overall, Mm -hmm. honestly, FTX just had horrendous accounting, like really, really bad accounting. And a lot of this money was like in bank accounts, Mm -hmm. in random OKX accounts under other employees' names that no one really knew about. I think they found like thousands of private keys that they previously just did not know existed. Basically, the corporate structure of FTX was so utterly insane and crazy that no Mm -hmm. one really like knew. And obviously, when you don't know and you just realize that this thing is like crushed, I think people kind of assumed, hey, they threw everything they could at letting people withdraw and then they kind of ran out of money. And so obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, if they ran out of money, there's nothing left here. But over time, that's been proven more and more incorrect. There's like just more and more money is being found. I mean, a decent chunk of it as well is these kind of related party transactions like the Modulo capital investment that they paid back recently where, I mean, no one like really knew about this stuff. It was just stuff Sam did under the table. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, this is another source of money that's coming back. I think basically just think of it as like they started looking under the cushions and was like, hey, wait, Mm -hmm. there's actually a lot of money here because of how kind of fucked up FTX itself was. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so how does this process work? Have they hired a team to sort of build this out? Would it be brand new infrastructure, brand new matching engine? I can't really comment too much on that because I'm not a tech guy. Basically, my kind of quickest pitch for FTX 2.0 is you effectively get to airdrop an exchange to over a million people who like have a big vested interest in using this exchange, talking about this exchange. I mean, I truly think it's a gigantic zero to hero PR moment where it's like, hey, you know, this thing was like considered worthless, giga fraud, but all these people work together pushing for it and like building something super cool. And there's a lot of really big promoters who like these guys are not doing well right now because they kind of promoted FTX for pay beforehand, Mm -hmm. you know. They kind of feel a bit responsible for the collapse. And this is a way for these guys, like also other people who you can't even like buy with any amount of money to be able to work and like not promote, but like talk about an exchange that is helping people that lost money kind of get their money back and give them some kind of freeing of their guilt. Like I I won't name any names, but you know, people like Kevin God's name there, but like, you know, people like Kevin O'Leary, this is a way for them to make people help make people whole. And like Kevin O'Leary is never going to quite unquote shit a crypto exchange ever again. But if people mm-hmm. like him see like, hey, all the creditors have come together to like build an exchange, it's like, shit, let me talk about this and then I can help support this thing and then like help these guys that I, you know, promoted something that did bad to them. And I mean, even like mm-hmm. myself, like you can't pay me to shill an exchange. Like I just won't do it. There's no sum of money that's going to make me go, hey, yeah, let me talk about this. But if it's FTX 2.0, I mean, look at me. I'm literally on like podcasts talking about it and getting people involved because I have this much of an interest for it. You even created a new logo. Ah, yes. The Phoenix. So the Phoenix was going to be a different style and then we realized FTX uses the same colors as Twitter. And it just looked like the Twitter birds. So who's going to run it? Who would run it? That is an incredibly good question. And the honest answer is like, that's to be seen with how the actual kind of FTX 2.0 restart is done. Mm-hmm. It seems like this is going to have to be done with external capital, of which like, I know Tribe, are interested because they've been meeting with John Ray the Third a bunch. Big shout out to AFTX Creditor for like religiously going through a crazy amount of FTX kind of like lawyer pay sheets and just seeing like what they're spending their time doing. But like it probably won't be done out of FTX's estate because in the like small, small chance the exchange doesn't do well. Suddenly it's like, hey, you know, they use creditor money on this and it didn't do well. Like it's not a good look for the FTX lawyers. And obviously, you know, they're not really crypto people. So they want to go with like these safe bets. So the assumption is it will be done by like effectively outside capital coming in. Mm-hmm. In terms of who's going to run it, again, that's ultimately up to how that part of it does. I think like, I mean, AFTX creditors like been a tremendous friend. He's a super, super smart guy. We'll talk about this a bunch. But there's a few things we can do now that are incredibly impactful and will, I think, help FTX creditors. And that is just 
spreading this idea and the understanding that like, look, guys, if you had money in FTX, you're not screwed. There's many ways for this money to come back. There's some, obviously, you know, the liquidation process, the assets being liquidated. But there's also the idea of us pushing forward on FTX 2.0 and getting people to just realize that like an exchange, I don't want to say built by the people, run by the people, but like, FTX 2.0 is an incredibly attractive proposition in my eyes. And just like spreading that message, I think is incredibly important. Because I guess you were going to ask me about the IRS stuff soon. I mean, what's the tax bill? Uh, $41 billion, which is, I think, more than Apple paid. So how does that impact any path of recovery? It's absolutely insane. So I had a talk with some of the like more, obviously, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I do not pretend to be a lawyer. A lot of this stuff is out of my realm of understanding. I'm just a crypto guy, which is why FTX 2.0 is so appealing to me. But the IRS stuff is, I mean, you know, first off, $41 billion is out of the batch an insane sum of money, which means that like, it's not going to be that much. But this yeah. is for the FTX lawyers to fight with the IRS. It's unfortunately not something we, the people, can really do anything about. So it's just a case of, look, you know, we have to let the professionals that we pay an incredibly gigantic sum of money to, like they can sort it out. But honestly, I don't even want to say any kind of speculation from some of the lawyers I've spoken to's way, but there's a lot of precedent not supporting something like this. And also the mm -hmm. way they did the claim where like, I think some companies tax bill was just like a direct multiple of like other companies in there. Like it doesn't really seem like it was kind of contrived from like anything particular. So it may just be the IRS going for like a big claim and then like, hey, let's settle this out. Let's see how much we can get. Yeah. Which, you know, it's actually pretty funny. So the Enron bankruptcy, the IRS actually gave the money. The estate settled a claim with them for, I think, like 150 million or 250 million. So like, it sounds really bad. And when I first saw it, I was like, you know, this is terrible. But ultimately, mm -hmm. it's something for the lawyers to fight out. Like, it's not going to be a case where we quote, quote, pay $41 billion. But I don't want to say too much on it because obviously, you know, I'm not a lawyer. But I think it's important that like people don't stop talking about and thinking about FTX 2.0 because it's one of the big things that like anyone can do to really get people interested and excited about the fact that like, you know, we can build a crypto exchange here that can like help make people who are the victims of fraud hold. And just something crypto kind of needs right now because, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, it's kind of tough to find the crypto exchange you trust to, like, put money on. Yeah, that's a good point. There's a gap in the market for sure. Here's a message from our sponsor, CleanSpark. CleanSpark is a NASDAQ-listed company that mines Bitcoin. Basically, they build and operate data centers with tens of thousands of computers that help secure Bitcoin, making it more reliable and secure for anybody, anywhere to use. These computers require a lot of energy, but that's why CleanSpark predominantly uses low-carbon energy to power their machines. But that's not all. They care about the communities where their data centers are located. They create jobs, donate to schools and community centers, and revitalize aging electricity grids in rural parts of America. They aren't just a Bitcoin miner. They're one of the most efficient and sustainable Bitcoin miners in America. Visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more.
speaking of the market, what do you make of the sentiment right now? I'd say very, very, I mean, I'm not really a meme coin guy. I, I purely just trade like, you know, the big ones, Bitcoin, ETH. But it's been a pretty radical meme coin season. And I think people are kind of having a bit of a hangover from that. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, I still believe that like, you know, we've had a fairly clear run up to here. And it's kind of people are realizing that maybe the madness of 2022 wasn't so much a quote-unquote natural market movement, but it was companies like FTX, BlockFi, Celsius, just dumping customer funds to like buy pump shit coins effectively. Actually, I think I talked about that a bunch on the kind of last time we did the scoop. But I'm generally still very optimistic for Bitcoin. I think... We're reverting to a normal and people are realizing that like, hey, you know, this asset was pummeled for reasons that like can't really be done again. Because I mean, you know, who's going to have another 10, 20, 30 billion dollars of customer funds? God, honestly, like 2022 was so insane. But yeah, I'm generally optimistic, honestly. I think we have some really cool stuff coming. People understand that this was a capital markets implosion versus something inherently wrong with the asset class itself. Yes, exactly. There's a problem with the asset class is capital markets, not a problem with the asset class. What do you think makes a coin like Pepe take off? Like, what are the sort of key attributes of memory that make a coin like that take off? I mean, I kind of think a lot of things go into it, the biggest of which is like the law of large numbers. Where, you know, there's been millions of meme coins that haven't done well. This one just happened to be the one that did do well. But, like, fundamentally, I think the coins that do the best are the coins that have a lot of holders who aren't, like, they're not buying it cheap to sell higher. They bought Pepe because, you know, funny meme, haha, I like Pepe. It's kind of like this idea of lightning striking, not twice, but, like, three times. Because there's been a lot of follow-up meme coins to Pepe that just haven't done as well because these follow-up meme coins were mainly bought by people looking to sell them for hire. So there's a lot of holders who are just like, you know, constantly looking to sell. Whereas the way Pepe was launched was a bit more like, you know, it's just random ass meme coin. No one really knew how high it would go, but it was fun. People like to say, you know, there's this shadowy pump group behind it. But, you know, it's like, JP Morgan trying to give a reason for why Bitcoin pumped or whatever. Like, it's just the market at the end of the day. But I think Pepe kind of captured a brief piece of the market where, like, you know, there wasn't much stuff going on chain, but people were, like, relatively well off after, like, you know, assets doubled in price. It was like, hey, let's find some fun stuff to trade. And after a certain point of like a meme coin growing, some more sophisticated guys like, hey, this thing launched, people thought it was worthless. So there's no like big investors inside looking to nuke it or whatever. Let's just treat it as like, hey, this could be a big meme coin that will pump. So the kind of finance guys came in at like a higher level. There was an institutionalization of Pepe. Yes. (laughs) Beautifully put. Although I did ask in a few market-making firms if they were trading it, and one got back to me and said negatory. So I guess, does that mean still early? Eh, I mean, the, the, you know, the thing is incredibly volatile. And obviously, it's harder to market-make if you don't have, like, a bunch of the asset itself. Mm-hmm. 
Is it fair? One thing that I've said, and I think it's evident in Doge to Trump NFTs to Pepe, maybe an oversimplification, but the sillier something is at first glance, almost the higher chance it has of success in this market. So I think there's honestly a really simple answer to that. And that is the silliest something is the like, less people buy it for speculative reasons. Like people are buying it because it's fun and stupid and funny. And like that kind of really helps the actual meme itself grow. Like again, I won't name any names, but there's been some quote unquote meme coins recently that launched with the idea of, hey, you know, let's make a meme coin that will pump. And I mean, every single one is doing very, very badly because it's not kind of genuine. It's not happy. It's not fun. It's purely to make money. And I mean, it's a bit of a, like a mind fuck where it's like, hey, for something to make money, people have to buy it without the idea of it making money. But I mean, honestly, like the best parallel is Bitcoin. Who was buying Bitcoin in the early days with the idea of like, you know, just making money for it. I mean, obviously finance is a decent chunk of all of this, but behind that, you need like, in Bitcoin's case, it was the cypherpunks who genuinely believed in the technology and you kind of need this like core believer group to really give anything like an actual chance of doing well. Otherwise, it will do how these shitcoins did, which is just, it's doing okay when the music is live and running and the hot ball of money is moving around. But the second it's done, like everyone in it is mercenary. They just leave. What's the NFT market looking like from your perspective? Ah, I mean, actually onto that topic of like, you need a community of people who like are into yeah. the asset because it's fun, it's enjoyable. There's a lot of controversy surrounding them. But I think this is actually an incredible, like just proof of what I've been talking about which is like, you know, unless these assets are inherently fun and people are buying them to have fun, they're just not going to do too well. These like the Miladies. Yeah. Many projects that were bought for like giga speculative reasons, like, hey, you know, this project raised this much money from VCs. There must be like a financial backing behind it. Let's buy a bunch because it's going to go up versus, hey, let me buy this one NFT because I like the community. They're fun and I want to rock it. And all of these heavily financial ones are like just not doing well at all. Whereas the ones people bought for fun, such as Milady, you know, they're doing very well. And I think that like this is kind of a bit necessary to just reset people to the thing that made NFTs really cool in the first place, which is just this is like, you know, it's like a campfire on the internet. The internet's a cold, lonely place. This is something that gives you a place to talk with others, to chill with others. So like, feel like, you know, this is my home. This is my roosting area. That makes a lot of sense. It's funny because we've touched on three key pillars of crypto. And in a sense, the sort of recipe for success for all of them is somewhat similar in as much as you need a community. You need something that people believe in, whether it's like a real philosophical matter or something that's just funny. I guess the only pillar of crypto to which maybe this does not apply is DeFi. And DeFi hasn't been doing that great. No one's punting a DeFi coin because there's some fundamental like feeling inside you that makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Hmm, that's a good kind of thing to raise. And I think the like issue of DeFi is 
we all know, you know, it got incredibly heated in 2021 and it was like kind of became something it like really wasn't intended as, whereas, you know, it was like instead of this idea of like, hey, you can trade anything you want on chain, you can trade really cool stuff on chain, you can like bring the finance layer of the world onto crypto. It was more like, hey, you know, here's this thing that gives you 20% a day in yield and like mm -hmm. it got a bit too Ponzi there. But I think, you know, DeFi is just matured and it's a lot less speculative now where it's like, hey, you know, this is going to go this much because in the future it would be like this. And so I think it took a bit of a financial hit from that. It's kind of like, you know, it's this idea of buy the hype, sell the news. And the news in this case was just like it actually working well. But there, there's still some like cool stuff going on in the DeFi space. And I think just being able to stake Ethereum and like the ecosystem that's provided from that is going to be one that like kind of it just steadily grows over the next few years because like fundamentally being able to buy ETH and they get five percent a year on this asset is like an incredible draw and i think that will give DeFi some of the liquidity that it needs mm -hmm. and so i guess zooming out what are you most excited about over the next six months aside from your fast ending I think getting more and more people to understand that like FTX 2.0 is honestly an incredibly exciting opportunity to build something just super, super cool. And then just some of the, as always, cool, crazy stuff we're doing at Biwasis. I have a Wazi on my computer. On the back <laughs> yeah. of it. I have quite a few. Um, uh, I accidentally left it in the office and one of my colleagues was like, I think your Wazi computer is here. <laughs> that's mine that's it that's it uh, well Lumdar thanks so much for taking the time oh it was an absolute pleasure sir always is and we'll have you back soon and we'll have another show for you folks as well thanks for tuning in bye everyone <laughs>